eloquently on that. And so I'm going to change my sermon as we go, because um, he already did a great job. So um, I'm glad that we have the same humor, because at least one of us will laugh at each other. Even when no one else does, we're there for each other. So... <laughs> So we've been in uh, the past couple weeks here at Waynesburg. I just felt like God was just speaking to me about some things and uh, just could not get away from this idea in 2 Corinthians, just talking about a new creation. And so we've been talking here about the new is here and what that means for us as followers of Christ, what that means for us in our daily walk with him and what he's called us to do, how our perspective can be different and should be different as followers of Christ. So that's what we've been looking at and that's what we've been talking about. The idea we've been playing around with is that, that new things, that they can affect us New things can make us feel different, act different, think different. New things impact us. So what are some new things in your life? So we've got examples. You wear a brand new pair of shoes. You got a brand new pair of J's, right? You're walking around. You walk different because you don't want anything to get on them, right? You step on a piece of bubble gum and it's just like, ugh. You don't want to do that. So what are some things in your life? What are some new things that you've experienced or that you've gotten that made a difference, that affected you? What are some new things? Serena. A house. Yeah, they just got a brand new house. We looked at it. It's a beautiful house. It's incredible. So we know where we're going to be doing all of our gatherings and have a new life group and all that stuff. So it's great. You know when you invite a pastor over to your house, they're scaling it out for that stuff, right? What is this? All right, yeah, we can have a meeting in here. Um, So, all right, what are some, so new house, what are some other things? What are some other things? New stuff that just impacted you. When you got it, it was new. It just changed your world, even for a moment. Haircut, exactly, haircut, right? Especially if it's a big, drastic change, this is something, yeah, beard. Yeah, if you saw on Facebook, that was a horrible experience. That was, I, I, so I've been growing my beard out for six months now, and so at three months I got it trimmed because I, I'm really trying to help Michelle out. She's tolerating this whole thing. And so at three months I got it trimmed, just cleaned up, and that six months I was going to do it again, and then by summer we would decide whatever I was going to do with it. So I just hit the six-month mark, and so I was so detailed. I called the right barbershops. I emailed them. I called them. Hey, I want to make sure that you have somebody that trims a beard. They know what they're doing. Oh, we've been doing this for 20-some years. I promise you're going to be great hands. I walked in the door. Hey, I want to make sure. Right? <laughs> I was being super cautious about this. I have never had an issue like that because I always just walk in is whatever, do whatever you want to. I just really cared about this. And so I walked in and so they said that was in great hands. And as soon as I sit down in the chair, you know, she's just talking and I'm just like, so how long have you been doing this? I've been doing this for like 20 or she said 12 years. And so I've been doing this for 12 years. And as she goes to get the clippers, she's like, but I've been a barber for three years. And just literally just shaves off and then tears. It changed me. It was a bad new. It was a bad new. But new haircuts do. Braden just got his haircut. It was so funny. It was a new haircut. He's trying out his new style. He's almost 10 now. So he's got this thing. I want to I have this new self-identity. I want to be in control of what I wear and how I look. And so we went and he got to pick out his haircut. And we walked out. He was all like. <laughs> so I took a picture of him and sent it to Michelle because she was at the Devoted Conference. And she's like, why does he look 15 in this picture? It just, you know, it was a new haircut. It just changed him. Come on, what's one more thing? What's one more thing? New thing that just... It, it impacted you. It, something you got new or whatever else, it changed you, it affected you. Jewelry. jewelry. That's good stuff right there. New jewelry. Made you smile, right? Made, made you love Ryan a little bit more that day, right? <laughs> so new things, they do. They affect 
the way that we feel. They can affect the way that we act. New things make a difference. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16, it says this. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. And when we look at this scripture verse, what we can see is, is that the scripture verse is a huge promise to us because what God is saying is, is that the same power that I use to speak creation into existence is the power in which I use to make you a new creation, to make you a new person. So as a follower of Christ, we don't have to walk through this life powerless. We don't have to walk through this life wondering what life is going to dictate to us or what the circumstances are going to be. We're able to walk with boldness. We're able to walk with confidence because the power of God is in us. His spirit is in us, and we're able to walk in his power and do the things he's called us to do through his spirit. So that power gives us every opportunity to look at things as new. That where we used to, when we were apart from God, that we didn't have a relationship with God through Christ. That when we looked at situations that caused us to be angry, we would let our anger go awry. But now we're new. And so when a situation happens and you want to get angry, you're a new person and you respond differently. And you have the power, the ability to respond differently, to act differently because God has made you a new person. And so as a father of Christ, it's a promise, it's a hope that I'm a new person. I don't have to be and I am not who I used to be. I'm a new person. I can think differently. I can act differently. I can walk differently because he has given me the power to do that. And it's the same power that he spoke creation into existence. And so if you ever stop and think, is God strong enough to save me? Is God strong enough to change me? Just stop and look at creation. Just stop and look up at the sky and look at the sun. And God spoke and the sun appeared. And that power is the power that he used to change you and that he's using to change you. That you're new, that he's working in you. Not only has he given us the power, but it's also an incredible promise because it shows us that the new is here. You are in his mind, in his eye, you are the perfect child that he wants you to be. In his eye, right now, he sees you through Jesus Christ and he sees you as perfect, he sees you as his. Your new beginning is here. That's an incredible promise, and we're going to speak more on that just in a little bit. You can also see this promise is amazing because it helps us to know that God is real and to truly know that he is with us. See, a lot of times we stop in our walk and we stop in faith at this idea that, yes, God exists and God is out there, but we miss the opportunity to bring God into our world and embrace him as our God. We miss this opportunity oftentimes because we say God is out there and it almost we make him elusive because of the things that we feel like we have to do to get his attention or, or we make him feel distant because we feel like I'm not good enough for him or, or, or those things. And God's saying, listen, I see you through Jesus and I see you as perfect. I've made you new. I've changed you. You are mine. I am present with you. And not only can you just know some things that I want you to do, but you can know me. And when we know him and know that he is with us and know that he is our God, it changes our perspective. It allows us to look at things differently. It allows us to have, like it says in Psalms chapter 9, the psalter says this, those who know your name trust in you. 
Those who know your name, when it's talking about know your name, know the character of who God is. Know the identity of who he is. Know the completeness of who he is. Know that his promises are true. Know that God is who he said he is and he's going to do what he said he's going to do. You know him. Those who know you, you can know him. Know your name, trust in you. For you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. See, the gospel, the fact that all things are new, it redefines our reality and it shapes our motivation. It helps us to shift our perspective and look at things differently. We've been in Matthew chapter 6 looking at this reality. In Matthew chapter 6 verse 22, Jesus is giving an incredible just talk and he's talking in 622. just gives us an amazing principle where he says, hey, listen, your eye is a light. And he's just saying, listen, every single one of you, doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you are in life, doesn't matter on your view of who God is, if God exists, doesn't exist, it doesn't matter on any of those things, that each and every one of us, we were made by God and there's a spiritual reality to each and every one of us. There's a longing, there's a sense, there's an acknowledgement deep within us. And sometimes it's really deep. But in each and every one of us, there's an acknowledgement that we are made to be in relationship with God. And Jesus is saying your eye is a light. And what you look at and what you see, it either increases that light or it darkens that light. And when you look at the things of God and when you look at who God is and you look at what Jesus has done, it it, it increases that light. It illuminates in your life. It illuminates in your heart. And it helps you to see God more clearly, see what he's calling you to do more clearly, see your attitudes differently, see your situations differently, see your trials differently. It shifts your perspective. And that we are in control of that. So today that's what we're going to do is take a little bit of time to walk through that and walk through how we are in control of this. So let's pray real quick before we jump into Matthew chapter 6. Lord, we just pray in these next few moments that you direct this conversation. We pray, Lord, that in the power of your Holy Spirit, that you speak. Your word brings life. Your word gives faith. And God, we pray, Lord, in this moment, in this time, God, that our hearts be full of faith. God, that we be encouraged. God, may you speak to us and strengthen us and help us to see areas that we need to grow in, things that we need to look at differently. God, but most of all, we just pray, Lord, that each and every one of us, that we pause and we stop and we surrender to you and we say, God, in this moment, I want what you want. I'm looking to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. So Matthew chapter 6, this is an incredible, incredible chapter as is all of God's word. But as I was going through and studying for this week and looking at, um, is that noise bothering anybody else or do you even hear that noise? Okay, all right. Well, if we can't fix it and I need to change mics, just let me know. Um, uh, all right, so as I've been going through and uh, looking at Matthew chapter six, uh, I felt like you know, we should go a different direction and we're gonna jump into something else. And I was just like, you know what? God's pulling me in one more week <laughs> just for us to speak through and just to look at something. And so when you think about the reality that the new is here and we talk about this change of perspective and we talk about looking at things differently and walk with faith and, and, and all that we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks, 
The lingering question that could still remain is, is I understand that stuff in principle. I, I, can, I can see what you're saying, and, and there's, there's a sense that we walk out of here, and even in my own heart and my own life and conversations that I've had with others, that I, I get it. it. It's motivating. It's encouraging. It's uplifting. It's, it, it, it's something that's inspiring. And, and you just look at it and you say, oh, yeah, I'm new, and I can do these things. But then there's yet there's still this lingering, but how? But how? Because there's some disconnect in my life that I walk out of here on Sunday saying, I'm new, I can look at things differently, I can act differently, but then really when I get into it, there's this disconnect, and it doesn't quite always work out perfectly. In Matthew chapter 6, as I was reading through it, it was just jumping out that Jesus is not just saying, hey, listen, just change your perspective, look at things differently, it's a big deal. He's saying, here's some things as we walk through that can help you to understand and look at where you are versus where I want you to be. And so we're going to walk through these things a little bit and just talk about it. And so the first thing that I think that Matthew, Matthew chapter 6 that Jesus is using here is to talk to us and to point out is, is the first thing we need to get that help us to walk in this newness of life, to walk out in this devotion to him, to walk this life of, of freedom and liberty, to walk in this life of saying, I'm yours, I'm ready to serve you and live for you. That, that mindset that says, I'm willing, I'm able, nothing can hold me back. The first thing that we have to do in order to do that is to change our audience. And in doing so, we will alter our behavior. If we change our audience, we alter our behavior. So if we go through and we look here, and before we get into this, I, there's something I felt like we just needed to talk about and on this because it's been kind of hanging there and I just felt like we need to jump into it. And if you feel like it hasn't been, maybe this is helpful for you. If not, just bear with me for a few minutes. But, but as we've been talking through this and just even just a few minutes ago, just talked about how Jesus, or God sees us as perfect through Christ, that he sees us as new now. That is a huge thought that we need to really grasp and understand as followers of Christ. There's a the theological word um, that's used for this, and it's, it, it's, it's imputation. And, and it's this sense that, that the word itself, it means that, that something, especially something undesirable, was completed for you. And so there's this work that Jesus did. There's this, this thing that he did for us that we could not do for ourselves. He did this work for us, and he completed this work for us on our behalf. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid the penalty of sin. He paid all of the consequences and bore all the weight and all the issues of sin on himself. In the moment of his death... It was paid. When he rose from the grave, he invited us and offered to us a life where we can now be made right and put in right relationship with God. That we are in a place that God looks at us and he doesn't say, here's the list of all of their wrongs. Here's the list of all that they did wrong. That when God looks at us right now, where we are, if you are a follower of Christ, where he looks at you right now is, that is my son. That is my daughter. And they're perfect. Right? As a father, for me, when I look at my children, there's moments. There, like I say moments because there's moments when I don't feel this. But there's moments when I look at my children and I just go, that's my daughter. I love her so much. 
This morning when I was walking out, it was early, early this morning, and I'm just staggering. I was feeling the weight of this hour of loss, and, and I'm going through, and I, I walked through the house with my flashlight on on my phone, I don't know if you, so I don't wake anybody up or all that stuff. And so, like, I'm walking through the upstairs and doing that, and I go like this by our door, and I see on the door, I see the sign where it says, no boys allowed. And it was, it was N-O-B-Y-S-A-L-D. Right, <laughs> and and I just looked at it, and I just knew, and I was like, "That's so funny," because she cries when Braden doesn't play with her. She wants us in her room all the time. That's the last thing she actually wants. But it was just so cute. I just I fell in love with her, and she was in that moment. I saw the perfection of who my daughter was. That's the way God looks at us: is that He looks at us and He sees the perfection of Jesus, and He looks at us with pride. He looks at us with excitement. He looks at us with delight. He looks at us with wonder. He looks at us and says. They're mine because of what Jesus Christ did. And we see in Romans chapter 4, if you want to investigate it yourself, Romans chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, you can see that yourself, investigate it, that God sees us right. He sees us justified, made right with him now. The new is here. You're new. You're a new person in Christ. Now, the other side of this is, is that though this Reality, though this is true, that justification is real, this imputation has happened, we are made right with God. There's this other side of it too, and it's called sanctification, right? It's that in right now, that the reality is, is that though God sees us as perfect, at the same time, he sees us right now in practice to become what we are in profession. Right? That he sees where we are now and he sees the journey where, of where we are. He sees what needs to happen in our lives in continuing to become who he's created us to be. Are you guys with me on that? You can see this in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 32. So positionally, I'm right with Christ. Positionally, I'm made right with him. But at the same time, I know there's some stuff I've got to work on. Anybody else with me on that? There's some stuff I've got to work on. There's some stuff that I've got to do. And God sees those things and he knows those things to be real. Now, why do I think it's important as we talk about this to pull this out? One, because if we don't see this truth, if we don't acknowledge this truth, two things can happen potentially in our lives. The first one is, is that if we don't see ourselves made right with Christ, we don't see ourselves as new, we can walk through life carrying unnecessary burdens, carrying unnecessary guilt and shame, and we walk through this life looking at ourselves, measuring ourselves on our failures instead of measuring ourselves on the success and the glory of Jesus Christ. And that in doing so, you actually fall short, you actually end up doing less what God has called you to do and granted you and given you the power to do because you are not looking to him rightly, you're looking to yourself wrongly. And so it causes us to not quite do enough. The ironic and odd thing is, is that at the same time, there's another worry to this is, is that we can actually, if we see ourselves made right with God and everything's good and everything's peachy and Jesus loves me, yay, with sing kumbaya, that we now feel no motivation to do anything because there's nothing left for me to do. And that's wrong as well. That though you were made right in his might, there are things that you still need to do on this earth that he's given you as purposes for his glory. And there's things that you need to go through so that you can fuller and more understandably become who he's called you to be. You guys with me on that? All right, good stuff. So if that was for you, great. If not, whatever. Because here, here's the big thing. Because here's the thing. Listen, God cares more about who you are becoming than he cares about what you were doing. 
He cares deeply about who you are and who you're becoming because he's got a picture, he's got an image, he's got an understanding of who you were to be because of what Jesus has done. Listen, my kids, I love my kids and I can look at them in moments, sometimes shorter moments than others. I can look at them and say, oh, they're mine, they're perfect, I love them, I don't want them to change. But there are moments when I say they need to grow, they need wisdom, right? They need, they need to see things differently. They need to shift their perspective. They need to grow in who they are. Their character needs to be developed. These things need to happen in them. God cares deeply about who you're becoming. And we've got to understand that and we've got to get that. So how do we do this? How does Matthew chapter 6 help us in this? How do we do this? All right, so we, we first one was we change our audience and we alter our behavior. See, in Matthew chapter 6, starting in the very first part of Matthew chapter 6, all the way uh, through verses, really, uh, 18, Jesus here, he's talking, and he's saying, don't be a hypocrite. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't do this. If you're going to give, make sure that you're giving uh, without trying to be noticed. and get, Make sure you're giving without trying to be seen by other people. Do it so that God sees you and don't worry about anything else. When you're praying, don't pray so that everybody else can see you. Pray because you really care about what God is doing in your life. You really care about his presence in your life. See, it's huge for us to understand that when we walk through life, a lot of times because of our insecurities, a lot of times because of the things that we're walking through, we get into a place that unintentionally and sometimes intentionally, that we're doing the things that we do, even the good things, like going to church, like living a disciplined life. Those things are done so that other people can see them being done, and we get value from the fact that we're noticed in that. We get valued and noticed, you know, as my parents even now, you know, they were here a couple weeks ago. And, and after, the, after the message, dad was tears in his eyes and was just saying, I'm so proud of the man you become, you know. And mom's looking at me saying, we never thought it could actually happen. And, and all of these, you know, and so they're looking at all this different stuff and they're just like, oh, we're so proud of you. We're so proud of you. And in that moment, sometimes the temptation, the reality is because of who I am, because I'm a human, I can take value from that and I can say, I'm doing these things, and I feel good in doing them. I feel motivated to do because I'm noticed by my parents. And sometimes we can take that accolade, we can take that acknowledgement from people, the recognition from friends and family, the recognition in our jobs, the recognition from people that we don't even know, the claim that we can even know with social media now. I've got this many followers. I've got this. I've gotten this notice. Sometimes we can take those and lift the value of those things to be what we determine ourselves to be ourselves. And when we do that, when we get into a place, we're shifting our audience to be people. We're shifting our audience to be ourself instead of our audience being God himself. And when we do that, what we actually do is, is that we not only just shift from God to others, we actually shift from what God wants to what we want. And not only do we shift from our wants, but we shift from our securities. So instead of God being our security, now other things are our security. And it just keeps going, it keeps going, and what we're doing is we're building this house of cards because at some moment the things that we've looked to, the things that we've leaned on, they crumble and they crush because they cannot do what God can do. And we're left there standing there saying, all of this fell, all of it is, I'm devastated, I'm hurt, I'm lost. Where's God at? God said, I'm right here, the same place I've always been. I just want you to look to me. I want you to acknowledge me. 
And when we're in that place and we stop and we say, maybe you're there today. And my cards are falling, man. My house is crumbled in. It's, it's chaos right here. And I'm like, God, where are you at? The encouraging thing is, is to look at this and God says, I'm right here. Listen, today, even if it's the 1500th start over, today's a new day. Today's a day that when you say, God, I'm going to live my life as an audience of one. I'm going to look to you and hope in you and I'm going to trust in you and, and I'm going to live my life honoring you. When I do that, when I set myself right, that God begins to work in you and he's going to begin to change you. Just like Pastor Fred was talking about earlier this morning, right? That your feelings are not what dictate to you what you do. That you know who God is. You know who his promises are. You know what he's called you to do as a follower of Christ. And there's moments where you say, I don't feel like doing it. But I'm going to do it anyways. And when you step into those moments, and it's not like I'm going to force myself. You're just like, all right, I'm going to do this. And you're dragging yourself by your own collar. You're saying, I know that if I do this, that it's the right step. I know that if I do this, that it's the right thing to do. And as it's the right thing to do, it's elevating God. And when I elevate God, I'm turning my eye to him, and he's going to shine light on all of my stuff. And I'm going to see them for what they are. And I'm going to be able to walk in the path that he's laying out for me. In Matthew chapter 6, as he says... Our Father in heaven, this is in verse 9, as Jesus is saying, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, make your name, may your name be kept holy. Some of your translations say, hallowed be your name. What this is, is make, may your name be kept holy. May you be kept separate from everything else. May you never get mingled into the mess of my life. May things that exist in this world, may they never be elevated to the place that you and you alone deserve. May you be hollow. May you be made sacred. May you be made right. May you be everything to me. May you be supreme in my life. When we change our audience, when we say, God, you're in that place, and it's something that we have to do on a regular basis, it's something we have to do on a daily basis, that as we go through, and it's not this thing where we got to beat it into ourselves, but we get to do it with joy that we walk through and we say, God, you are everything. You're my hope. You're my promise. I'm lifting you up. I can go out there today and I can get in my car and I can be excited and love my car and all this different stuff, but if my car is driving down the road and it catches on fire and burns up, my life's not any different because I'm yours. It's easy for me to say when you got, you know, older car with 176,000 miles on it, whatever. But you get what I'm saying, that we can go through this life and we can say, listen, sometimes we get caught up in this thing that where we mingle things and, and we allow things to get on the same playing field as God. And sometimes as we do that, those things begin to replace God and be elevated above God. And when we do that, our perspective is shifted in the wrong way. We haven't kept him holy. We have made something else our audience our behavior begins to change. As our behavior begins to change, our attitudes begin to change. And then all of a sudden we start relying on and counting on and hoping for things to provide for us and to care for us and give security to us that just can't. At some point, it implodes. And the good thing is, is when it does, when we get in that place, God is standing there saying, hey, I'm here. It's a new day. We can do this thing. You've got the power to do this because I'm with you. I care about who you are and I care about what you're doing. And I care about who you're becoming. And listen, you can learn from this. You can grow from this. This is the opportunity that you have in God. So as we go through and look at Matthew chapter 6, maybe you find yourself in that place. Maybe you find yourself in a place where you say, you know what, my audience has been on something other than God. I've been living for people's accolades. I've been living for people's acknowledgement. I've been going through work and I really, 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 really care about what my boss thinks about me. And that means that your behavior, your priorities have shifted. 
and those things are at a place now that that's your driving force. Stop and allow this to be a moment that God's speaking to you and say, hey, what are you looking to? What are you looking at? Are you looking at something that's illuminating the gospel? Are you looking at something that's illuminating the power and the goodness of who Jesus Christ is in your life? Is Jesus becoming more real to you? Are you seeing yourself more and more as his son? Are you seeing yourself more and more as his daughter? Are you seeing yourself in control and able to say, I'm living this life for God. I'm doing the things he's called me to. I'm excited about life. I'm experiencing this abundant life. Or are you seeing things beginning to crowd? Are you seeing things become darker? Are you beginning to see things that are just heavy and your world is getting smaller and smaller? Could be that your audience needs to be shifted. Go on. Second thing we can see in Matthew chapter 6. In verse 19, that if we change our desire, we find true treasure. Matthew 6 chapter or Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 is, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy. So let's look at this from the opposite angle here real quick. Let's look at this from a different perspective. I want to ask you a question this morning, and before I do that, let's, let's, let's look at this verse here in Psalm 32, verse 7. And as I read this verse, I want you to just consider what you look at as necessary for peace. I want you to consider as I listen, or as I read this verse, I want you to, to consider what is necessary for you to know peace and to know joy. What, what do you consider to be a treasure in your life? And, and just allow God to speak. And this is not a, this is not a, a moment of judgment. This is, not a moment, this is a moment of, of revelation where God's speaking to us and he's helping us, right? Matthew, or in Psalm chapter 32, verse 7. It says, for you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. So let me ask you this question. What do you consider to be trouble? What do you consider to be trouble in your life? What are the things that when you hear a verse, you say, God is protecting me from trouble. God is protecting me, that he is a shield to me. What are the things that you see as trouble in your life? What are the things that, that to you bear such weight that it makes you say, God, I need your help? God, I'm desperate. God, I'm at a loss. What are those things that right now are weighing on you that are troubles to you, that are heavy to you, that are causing you to respond a certain way? What are those troubles? Going back to the Lord's Prayer in verse 11, Jesus says, pray this. Give us today the food we need. As I ask you that question is, is one of the things to stop and to think about, and I've been doing this as I've been going through this study myself, and so this is one of those moments where as a pastor I get to stand up here and it's that saying, you know, or there's a finger pointing, right? There's some things, say hey, Jesus is saying, hey, let's evaluate. So there's three fingers pointing right back at me and because of my awkward joints of thumb as well, right? So this is one of those things for us just to go through and evaluate, but one of the realities is, is when we look at this verse and we see this where it's placed and where Jesus placed it. He's intentionally placed it. Jesus was one of the most intentional, wise people that's ever lived this planet, right? And so Jesus, he knew and he put this in the right place. 
what happens is, is a lot of times in our prayer lives, is that the thing that motivates us and that calls us and moves us to times of prayer is when the thing that we hold at the greatest esteem is at stake. If you're honest and you stop and you, you look, and I've been doing this myself, when I'm, when I'm really dedicated to prayer, it's because something really important to me is at stake. Something that I really, really want to have happen or something that I really, really don't want to have happen. Like Those are moments that I'm like, I'm all in, let's pray. And Jesus is saying that's not the way that it should be. It's not the way that it should be. Yes, we pray for our concerns. Yes, we pray for our needs. Yes, God's there to provide. Yes, God's there to protect. Yes, all of those things are true. But what Jesus is saying is, is don't get caught up in allowing these things to so cloud your mind, but they be what drives you to God. Let God be what drives you to God. Let his goodness, let his holiness, let his mercy, let his power, let who God is be what drives you to him. Let him be your ultimate esteem. Let him be supreme in your life. Let him be what drives you to moments of prayer. Let him be what makes you say, I just have to get up in the morning and pray. I'm driving down the road, and instead of listening to Katy Perry, I'm going to turn it off, and I'm going to pray. Instead of, and if you listen to Katy, you should do that, all right? So you're going through, and you're just saying, hey, I need to make sure. You're going through, and you're saying, God is so good. God is so wonderful. That what's driving you to him is him and who he is and all that he can do and all that he's promised and all that he said he will do in you. That is what should be driving you to him. When our troubles, when the things that we look at are what drives us to him, it leads us astray. Because in those moments that we find a little bit of relief, we find a little bit of pressure. We're like, I just need a new job. And then all of a sudden you get a new job and you're done and you're fine and you find peace and you find security in that new job. Guess what? You find out that boss is a jerk too. You find that paycheck's not quite big enough either. And then all of a sudden you just wait and you wait and you wait and you develop disciplines and you develop habits and you develop thought lives and you develop all of these things that are leading you astray, pulling you into a darker view of the world, pulling you to a darker understanding of what life is about. And then all of a sudden you find yourself in this place of desperation and you find yourself in this place of brokenness. And then you say again, God, I need a new job. And God becomes a genie instead of God. See, God wants us to come to him and say, you're supreme, you're everything. See, Jesus, may your name be kept holy. May you be kept separate in our lives. May you be above everything. May you be Lord to us. And as we rightly put him in that place, then after that, we worship him, we acknowledge him, we esteem him, and then we come to him and we say, God, here's some things going on in my life, and give me what I need. Give me what I need. Oftentimes what happens is, is as we're going through life, we find troubles to be heavy. We find these things to be so oppressive. We find them to be so just monstrous in our life. And we look at this and we say, man, this is a huge problem. This is a massive trouble. I need God. And God is saying, yeah, it's a trouble. It's something that's there. But your problem isn't that trouble. Your problem is, is that you have a worship problem. You have a worship problem. 
You have a problem where you've allowed something at some point to become bigger than me. You've allowed something at some point to mean something that I'm supposed to mean to you. You haven't kept me holy. You haven't kept me right. You haven't kept me in my right place. And then all of a sudden we go, oh my gosh, what am I supposed to do here? And we look at it and we say, okay, I'm going to stop. I'm going to reshift. I'm going I'm to change my perspective. I'm going to look at this. This is a moment that God's revealing something to me. And I'm going to say God cares deeply about who I am. And he cares deeply about where I'm at. And he cares deeply about these things. And he cares more about that than he cares about what I'm doing. Because he knows that if I become and I see clearly who he wants me to become, I start doing things differently. I start looking at things differently. I start acting differently. I start doing things differently. So when we look at our lives, we need to understand and we need to see that our audience has to change. And when our audience changes, our treasure begins to change. And when treasure is the things of God, it's God and what he's done in Jesus Christ. When that's our treasure and when that is our motivation, we find ourselves walking in what he's called us to do. We find ourselves walking in the disciplines that we've been talking about in our pathways. We find ourselves doing the things that we're supposed to do as a follower of Christ with joy, with life, with vitality. But if we don't, we don't acknowledge the worship issue in our life. We walk instead with fear and shame and guilt. And those are not the things from God. The things that are from God is joy and peace and love. Those are the things that we're supposed to walk in. Those are the things that we're supposed to acknowledge. We don't want ourselves to be in a place of fear because we have a failure of worship. We need to change our audience. We need to get to a place where we're looking and as it says in Psalm chapter 8 verses 3 through 4. When I look at the night sky, when I see the work of your fingers, when I'm just looking around the world, when I'm just going through my day, I see you and I see what you've done and I see how miraculous they are. I look at the moon and the stars that you set in place and I say, who am I that you should think about me? God, who am I that you should care for me? Listen, the definition of your troubles is not the loss of your house. The definition of your trouble is not the loss of your job. The definition of your trouble is not fill in the blank. The definition of trouble is, is that we're in a broken world and sin is present. That God has this desire. He has this intention. He has a plan. He has what he wants us to be in his mind. And he sees in his eye who we are through Christ. He's saying, I know you've got to get through that. And I know you've got to work through some stuff. And some things are going to have to happen so that you can learn and so that you can grow. And some things are going to have to happen so that you can be drawn closer to me. And you could have a knowledge that you couldn't have otherwise. Some things are going to have to take place. I know that, but I'm going to be with you and I'm going to walk through those things with you. And you're going to get in a new place. And as long as you look at me, as long as I'm your audience, as long as I'm your treasure, I'm telling you, you're going to get to a whole new place. And you're going to be a whole new person. And you're going to grow in a way that you never thought you could imagine to grow. And you're going to walk through this life not with fear, but you're going to walk through this life with boldness and confidence. You're not going to walk through this life with shame, but you're going to walk through this life with mercy and joy. You're not going to walk through this life feeling guilty and feeling abandoned and feeling like a failure. You're going to walk through this life with grace and you're going to walk through this life with success. And maybe it's not success that the world can determine. Maybe it's not success that the world says, look at that person. But there's something in them at the same time that stops and says, they're living life way fuller than I could live life. Man, they're, they're encountering things that I can never encounter. They're experiencing things that I can never experience. There's a vitality in who you are and what you are doing.
You can walk through life in Psalms 121 verse 7, believing this. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. Listen, it's not that troubles aren't going to happen. It's not that trials aren't going to happen. It's not that these things aren't going to take place. It's that when they do, they won't consume you. They won't overwhelm you. It's that you're going to walk through this life saying, I can stand straight. I can weather any storm. I can make it through all things. Just like we sang this morning, because through God, all things are possible. So you look through scripture, and a lot of times what happens is, is we, and, and especially in our American culture of Christianity, we walk through life, and we, we dictate, and we begin to define what a blessed life looks like by the things that we get and the elimination of our troubles. The less troubles I have, the less loss that I have, the more blessed that I am. But when you look through scripture, there's anything but that in there. Most of the people that said, I'm all in, I'm all yours. They had a lot of stuff they had to go through. They had a lot of things they had to deal with. They had a lot of persecution they had to walk through. You go through and you look at this life and you look at Joseph and he was a good person and he was doing good things and, and he was living this moral life and then he sold into slavery and then after that he's put into a place where he's standing there, it, it, with, he's got his job and, and all things are good and now this woman starts accusing him of something. He's doing the right thing, he's doing the moral thing, but then he gets thrown in prison for 13 years and he continues to do the right thing there. It's not about what you do or where you are. It's about what God is doing in you. There was a moment in Joseph's life that God was leading him to that God had destined him for. And there was some stuff that he had to get developed inside of him first. And Joseph kept his audience right. He kept his treasure right. And as he did that, God moved him to the place that he wanted to be. He moved into a place where Joseph constantly thought. And you and I can constantly think, listen, the new is here. Yeah, there's troubles going around. Yeah, there's all kinds of things that happen. Yeah, I've done some dumb stuff in the past, but I'm forgiven. I'm a new person. I'm made new. I can stand strong in this place. Yeah, I feel weak right now. Yeah, I feel insecurity right now. Yeah, I feel like the world is coming against me. I feel like all things are coming down. But like Paul says in 2 Corinthians, you can say, I'm perplexed. I don't understand why these things are happening, but I'm not crushed. I'm persecuted, but I'm not abandoned. We can go through and we can say, listen, this is where I am. There's something inside of me that knows the confidence and security and a peace that can keep me and, sh and, and save me. And I can say, it doesn't matter what all these things mean. What matters is, is that he has got his eye on me and I got my eye on him. And as long as that's true, he's getting me to where he wants me to go. And I'm going to experience the things that he wants me to experience. Last we can see in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. So seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. We need to change our concern and in doing so we find freedom. So I asked you a minute ago, what do you consider to be trouble? Let me ask you this question is, what do you consider to be protection? What do you consider to be protection? What's enough? What, what prayer do you have right now that if God was to answer it, would be enough? Would it would just be, I can find a little bit of peace. I can find a little bit of breathing now. If it's anything short of his presence and your full knowledge that he is in your life and that you are his, it's not enough. The God calls us and he says, listen, I'm going to protect your soul. I'm going to protect your life 
Psalm 127, this must talk about your life, your soul, who you are on the inside. Yeah, things are going to happen. They're going to take place. That does not dictate to you my love for you. That does not show me to be an unable God. It shows me to be an able God. It shows me to be a loving God, a merciful God. I could walk around and cause my children to be like weird people and walk through this life scared of everything because I cover them in plastic and because, you know, we go crazy and I do everything I can to protect them. And I, can, and I can do all this different stuff to do these different things. What I'm instilling in them, if I'm, if I'm doing everything for them and I'm, I'm, I'm walking through, my children are going to grow up to be ignorant people. They're going to grow up to be people that are just like, you know, we're just like, seriously, like, can you just go live on an island somewhere, <laughs> you know? And just, you're just, what's wrong with you? And sometimes I feel that way about Braden still, but we're getting there. And so I could, I could do all of these things for them in my desire to protect them and to keep them from harm or... As they're going through those things, I could speak wisdom to them. I can say, listen, hey, I don't want you to be walking in fear right now, but I want you to be walking in his wisdom right now. So you're going to have to go through something, and yeah, I could keep you from it, but you're going to go through it. Because going through it is going to develop something in you. And you're going to get on the other side as a wiser person. Sometimes the things that we're asking God for and we're looking for protection from is the very thing that he's wanting to happen in our lives so that we can be drawn closer to him. All I'm saying in all of this, all of this is, is that followers of Christ, we are to walk this life looking to him and setting him in the right place. And oftentimes we are looking to all of these other things instead of him. Jesus is saying, listen, a way to know that you're my child, a way to know that you are marked by me, that you are mine and that you, that I am yours is by you constantly in the secret places of your life, in the secret places of your mind, wanting to put me up in first place. When nobody else is looking, you care about me just as much as when everybody's looking. When you're going through life and you're going through all these different things and and there are blessings that come your way, those blessings are still kept in the right place because it compares nothing to the blessing that you feel like you have in my life. And when there's worries and when there's troubles and when there's things happening in life that just aren't fair, that you aren't caught up by those things because you say, you know what, tomorrow's going to have its troubles, but guess what, tomorrow's also going to have its provisions. God has got me. I'm his. I am kept. He is my God and I'm his child. I'm going to walk differently. I'm going to act differently. I'm going to think differently. Listen, as followers of Christ, we need to make sure that where our audience is kept in the right place, that we truly understand what troubles are. Troubles are not the loss of things in this world. Troubles are the things that keep us and cloud our vision of who God is. And what happens is, is that the reason the troubles become too heavy is, is because we want protection from those things instead of acknowledging the fact that God's protect us from the greatest thing, which is sin and evil that is in this world. God is saying to you, your soul, who you are on the inside, that eternal part of you, it is forever protected and is ever marked as mine. And nothing can come to it. You can lose your very life. You can stop breathing in this second. And you're still mine. You're still kept. So as the worship team comes up, I ask you this question. How would you live your life If you knew defeat was not an option. How would you live your life if failure didn't matter? How would you live your life if you woke up tomorrow morning and said, I've got a whole new day. 
I can do anything that God wants me to do. I can go anywhere God wants me to go. I can say anything God wants me to say. I can give away anything he wants me to give away. I can receive anything he wants me to receive. Today has limitless possibilities of what God could do in my life. And today I might step into a moment and I might do something really stupid. And I might make the wrong call and I might say the wrong thing. But guess what? In that moment, God still got me. He's holding my hand. He's going to pick me up. He's going to say, it's all right. Let's learn from it. Let's grow from it. Come on. What kind of wisdom did you just get from that? What do you know next time? And if you live that type of life, walking in that type of vitality and that type of strength, not looking for protection from this world, not looking for protection from all of this different stuff that you've you got to protect this thing, but you're looking at it and say, what matters the most to God is what matters the most to me, and then that's that I am His, that I am present with Him, and that He's present with me. That cannot be shaken, that cannot be taken, that cannot be destroyed. God is mine and I am His. Man, that changes me changes me and makes me put things in its right place because I put God in his right place. And that's the type of life he wants us to live and those are the things that he wants us to know. So as I clean off spit bubbles off my Bible, I'm gonna turn to Psalm 91. Church, I, I, man, I, I'm going through this stuff because this is stuff God's speaking to me and I know it's stuff that he's speaking to us as a church. God doesn't want his children just walking through life, accepting what the world has to give. He doesn't want us just walking through life and saying, look at that blessing I just got. And God goes, that's not a blessing. Are you kidding me? That's a McDonald's Happy Meal toy. And we're just like, yeah, but it's everything. And he's like, it's nothing. God wants us to walk through life looking at things for what they are, our troubles, our blessings, all of those things holding him as our treasure and allowing that to dictate and just show us our behaviors and our attitudes and our thoughts. When we go through life and we go to work and we're looking and we're saying, I don't like being here. God, protect me from this place. And God say, no, I want you at that place because that person needs to hear a message of hope. And you're like, but I don't like that person and that's the person I'm telling you to protect me from. And God says, no, I've already protected you. There's nothing that person can do to you. You could lose your stinking job because of that person and you're still mine. Everything's still fine. Guess what? Tomorrow, some way, somehow, you're still gonna eat. I'm gonna take care of you. You don't worry about that. You just worry about what I've called you to worry about. And that's to love that person. It's to care for that person. That's the life that God wants us to live. All in, committed, sold out. You go and you say, you know what? I've made it, I've crossed the finish line, I'm beat up. I'm just dragging through and I'm like here in heaven, right? And we just believe, you know, I, I, maybe some of us are gonna there, some of us we're gonna be jumping across the line. Doesn't matter what your story is and what you wanna feel like. Let's not argue that theologically. Let's just get into a place that when we get to heaven, even if you feel like you've gave up everything and you're just like, I have nothing to give. And you did it all for the name of Jesus. You did it all because your eye was on him. You're going to stand up and you're going to see untold treasures in front of you. You're going to stand up in a whole new life and a whole new joy. And you're going to say, holy cow, what I believe to matter really does matter. Man, the things that I thought I lost are nothing in comparison to what I have. And I believe that to be true on earth. Holy cow, look at it now. Man, that's the vitality he wants us to live in. 
So this morning, and if everybody can, go ahead and bow your eyes and close. Bow your head and close your eyes. I don't know how you're going to bow your eyes and close your head, but if you can, go for it. Just for a moment of privacy, just for a moment of just reflection. If there's anybody in here this morning, and being honest with yourself, evaluating your own life, when you stop and you look and you say, hey, the troubles you're talking about, when I really look at what troubles are, I see that there's just a lot of things that I'm inviting into my life. There's a lot of things I want protection from. There's a lot of things that I'm looking for. And I can see that what I've been looking for the whole time is Jesus. Now I need him to be my protector. I need him to be the one that sets me right. I need him to be the one that helps me to see things for what they are and to see the hope and the truth of love the hope and the truth that in him I can have abundant life, that I can in this earth, I can in this moment know peace, I can know joy, I can be overwhelmed by those things and have nothing here. I need that, I want that, I need Jesus this morning. If that's you, just in your own place right now, I just want you to this morning just to raise your hand quickly and say, Pastor Jamie, that's me, I need Jesus. Just as a moment, just as, a, as, as, a, as an action to say, God, I feel and see what you're doing in me. I need you. If that's you this morning, with all eyes closed and all heads bowed, if you say that's me, raise your hand this morning and say that's me. I see those hands. I see those hands. It's awesome. It's awesome. Father, those hands that were raised and that are still raised, God, to, in this moment, we come together and we all say, we need Jesus. For those in this moment, for the first time or maybe again, they're making a vow of devotion to you. And they're saying, I need Jesus in my life. I need him to be my answer. I need him to be my source. I need my eyes turned to him. I need him to be my hope. God, I pray right now as they call out to you, as they recognize their need of you, Father, I pray. God, that they're overwhelmed with your love and they're overwhelmed with your goodness and they're overwhelmed with your grace and your mercy. And God, I pray that deep in their hearts, deep in their souls, may they sense, may they feel, may they know that you've made them new. This moment, this day is a new day for them. In Jesus' name. Keep your eyes closed. And this morning, if you, I'm a follower of Christ and I know who Jesus is and I'm walking with him, but I've been looking at things differently and I've been looking at things per, with the wrong perspective and I've allowed the troubles of this world to become the things that motivate me. This overwhelming sense of desire of protection has been for things that only matter here. And I need my perspective shifted. I need my heart realigned. I need to be moved again. Say, God, you and you alone. May your name be kept holy. God, may you be made separate. May you be set apart. May you be made supreme. If that's you this morning, even if you just prayed the prayer and you said, I need Jesus, I'm gonna read Psalm 91 in its entirety. I just want you to stop. Don't let your mind wander. Don't let your mind go. I just want you to stop and I want you to 
Listen to God speak to you. So if you need to right now, you can take a deep breath. Lift up your shoulders and then drop your shoulders. Just get in a place where you can just be in a place of surrender. Psalm 91. Listen to this. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust in him. For he will rescue me from every trap and protect me from deadly disease. He will cover me with his feathers. He will shelter me with his wings. His faithful promises are my armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though 10,000 are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. Father, through your word, as our hearts have been turned to you, you are our protection. You are our shelter. You are our hope. You are all that we need. You are our treasure. God, you are our audience. God, let all that we are, let all that we say, let all that we do be for your honor and for your glory because you are all things. You are everything. You are anything and everything that we need. So Father, we're praying right now. God, that you shift our hearts to that. God, that you give us the strength, that you give us the, the ability, the, the understanding to know that that's where we are and then we can walk out of these doors today different. We can walk out of these doors today with confidence. We can walk out of these doors today saying, I can do what he's called me to do. Whatever it is, I can love who he's called me to love. I can forgive who he's called me to forgive. I can go where he's called me to go. I can stop doing what he's called me to stop doing. I can do it. I have no reason for fear. I have every reason for trust. I have no reason for shame. I have every reason to smile. I have every reason to feel joy. I have every reason to feel love. Father, I pray in this moment, 
as we lift up our hands and as we lift up our voice to you. In this song, God, I pray, Lord, that you overwhelm us with your presence, you overwhelm us with your peace. God, I pray that your, 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 your presence be so real to us, so tangible to us, your, your, your wisdom, your love, your strength, who you are, be so alive in us that we cannot deny that you're standing here, that no matter what our troubles are, no matter what's coming against us, that we're yours, we're safe, we're kept, we're protected, and you're here. Father, we love you and we praise you. Church, will you stand with me and just sing the song? I don't know I'm crazy over, but I just feel like I've got to share this. Is that as you do this and as you begin to say, God, are there some things that I've put in a place that only you should be in? 
that as you begin to ask that question, and I honestly believe that if you are his, that even if you don't intentionally ask that question, there's gonna be moments that he's gonna speak to you and he's gonna say, hey, that thing right there, it's in a wrong place. You've made that thing an audience. He's gonna give you an opportunity to take that thing and put it in its right place and put him in his right place. And I just wanna tell you this, it's not gonna be easy. It's not gonna be fun. Have you ever tried to take an animal out of a cage that felt safe inside of that cage, right? You're trying to take a cat or a dog out of a kennel and you're trying to take it out of a place and let it run free in a yard. It doesn't know that. It's clanging. It's just like, ah, don't let me go. And it's scratching and fighting and just, it's crazy. When you try to take something out of the place where it is and put it in its right place, there's going to be a struggle. There's going to be a battle. It's going to be tough. This is hard. This is why in the world, like, I, this thing's wrong and it should be easy, right? I mean, Pastor Jamie just made it sound so easy. You know, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. Because when you've ever elevated to anything to a place where God is supposed to be and you've put it in this high place, it likes that place and it doesn't want to come out of that place. But I want to encourage you in this, is that those things have no power over you. If it's a wrong relationship and you're like, I'm going to have to say some things that are going to be hard to say. And I, I don't know how that's going to go over. I don't know how that person's going to respond. I put myself in a place and, and, and it's going to be hard to get out of that spot. It's going to be hard to get out of that situation. I want you to know it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. But that person, that situation cannot harm you. It cannot come against you. It cannot bring ruin to you. It cannot defeat you. Though you may lose some things, though there may be a moment or situation where you're like, uh, I lost that and that used to mean something to me. What you've now done is, is you've cleared everything and God's gonna be able to speak to you and say, you've put me in its right place and I'm gonna show you what really matters. You thought that brought you joy. You thought that brought you peace. Hold on to your socks because look what this can do. Look what, when you look to me, look what it can be like. Isaiah chapter 46, Israel put up all these false idols and all these false gods and they built these things and God's almost mocking them and he's just like, <laughs> they, they think that this wooden statue can actually do something, that it can actually hear them. <laughs> Are they stupid? Like it's wood, <laughs> right? And God's just like mocking them. But God says this, and he says, listen, those things, those inanimate things, those wooden objects that cannot even hear or speak, they themselves will bow their heads and bow their knees at my glory. Nothing, nothing can stand in God's presence. Only he and he alone can stand where he is supposed to stand. And no matter what you're facing, it will bow. No matter what you're against, it will surrender. And it says in Isaiah chapter 46, that God himself, and I love this because he's, listen, they can't hear you, they can't do anything, they can't touch you, they can't do any of these things. They will bow to me, but I, I'm real. I will carry you. I will carry you. And I will carry you all the days of your life until you have gray hairs on your head. I will carry you. Stand strong. 
If you've got something you've got to do and you feel like God spoke to you this morning and said there's an idol, there's something in its wrong place, there's something that you've elevated, there's something that has caused you to just look the wrong way and miss the mark, he's given you an opportunity this morning to say, I see what it is. I'm going to put it in its right place and I'm going to put God in his place. And as you do that, no matter what the struggle is, God will prevail and you will find life, life abundantly in Jesus Christ. Amen. Have a good week. See you back next week.